Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you, whilst he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he has risen. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, why don't we pray together as we uh, begin this time? God, thank you so much that you are not dead, but you're alive. And I pray that you, the living Christ, would move among us tonight by your Holy Spirit, even as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to imagine for me uh, that tomorrow you get a letter in the mail and it comes on very official looking paper from an almost legit looking solicitor. And it tells you that you stand to inherit millions of pounds from a relative that you've never heard of. Now, I wonder what you might think about that. You might be skeptical because you might think, well, this sounds a bit too good to be true, doesn't it? Millions of pounds, aren't Agatha's popped her clogs? She's become immortality challenged. And suddenly I stand to receive squillions. See, this must be a scam. People feel like fall for scams all the time. And I am not one of those people. But you probably wouldn't throw the letter away immediately, would you? You, you might just sort of bring it out again. Maybe you'd Google the solicitor's name. Are they legit? Is this, is this come from the right source? You'd, you'd start thinking to yourself, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if actually my mum, she mentioned Aunt Agatha once. In other words, you'd consider it, wouldn't you? You'd check it out. You'd investigate. Why? Because the offer is too good to ignore. Because what you stand to receive is too good not to check it out and investigate it. And so it is with the good news of Easter. It's too good a thing not to consider, not to investigate, not to check out because of what we stand to receive. And um, as we consider Easter tonight, just as I look around this room, it makes me wonder, you know, what is the point of Easter? Well, uh, this is absolutely great, you know, it's great to be here tonight, but this is probably half the number, at least, of the people who normally come here. So maybe the point of Easter is just to make the most of the bank holiday weekend, you know, go home, see the parents, get a good roast in, that's what it's all about, enjoy bank holiday Monday. Is there more to it than that? Well, our society, you know, maybe it's this thing now of, you know the Bing search engine? Well, the Bing search engine background today was just a bunch of shiny, sort of brightly coloured eggs because that's kind of what we've reduced Easter to. There's some eggs, there's lots of chocolate. I'm a big fan of that. There's bunnies, new life. But is there more to it than that? 
I'm here to tell you tonight that there is. And I just want to show you three things. What is Easter about? Let me tell you tonight three things. Just as we go through this passage from Luke. Firstly, Easter is about this. Easter is about an empty tomb. What's Easter about? Easter is about an empty tomb. I wonder how your morning began today. You know, if any of you started, just cracked straight on with the chocolate and just thought, well, I'm just going to get it underway, you know, no time to lose. That first Easter morning began in grief and in faithfulness. Grief as the friends and followers of Jesus mourned the loss of the one they loved and faithfulness as the women who attended to his body went to his grave to look after him. This is verse one again. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So the women, that's Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, they were faithfully following the ceremonial customs of the day. And they had prepared to honour Jesus by, they prepared these spices and that wasn't to embalm his body, that was just to cover up the smell of decay. And that was the Jewish custom of the time. So it's to cover up the smell of a dead body. Now, they might have prepared these spices, but I bet you that they were not prepared for what happens next. Just look at verse two. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And then it says, while they were wondering about this. See, Easter is about an empty tomb. They've come to play their part, to do the thing they expect to do. And suddenly they find a scene that is totally different. I wonder if they started talking amongst themselves. Because not only is the tomb, the, the stone's been rolled away, but there's not even anybody in there. Because they might have thinking, oh, who, has somebody else come to here to work on his body? Or maybe they started thinking to themselves, you know, maybe they started talking, have we come to the wrong place? Mary starts accusing Joanna. Joanna, are you sure this is the right place? You're just like your father. You're terrible with directions. And Joanna's saying, no, 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 don't worry. Come in, go past the flower bed. It's on your right. You can't miss it. We're here at the right tomb. They can't, it's almost like, I bet, they couldn't believe their eyes because they did not find the body of Jesus. Verse four says, they were wondering about this. Wouldn't you do the same? The man that you've seen die with your own eyes, suddenly not there. You see, they'd come to the right place and they had come to an empty tomb. Easter's about an empty tomb. And as I thought about uh, Luke's accounts of this, I couldn't help but notice a contrast between two things. And you're gonna have to go with me a bit here, okay? I noticed the contrast between the spices and the spirit. The spices and the spirit. See, there they had prepared spices. I wonder what they smelled like. I bet they were very, very pungent. They had prepared spices to cover the smell of Jesus' body. And yet, when they go there, the body isn't there because the Holy Spirit has raised Jesus to life. Romans 8.11 tells us that it was God's Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, we can see in this scene the contrast between human effort and God's power. When someone has died, all humans can do, all we can do is mask temporarily the smell of decay, but God can raise the dead. Amen? All we can do is temporarily mask the smell of death with spices, but the Spirit of God was at work. See, Jesus entered Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit and he left that Easter tomb 
by the Holy Spirit. And the reason that the women didn't find the body there is because God had raised Jesus to life through the Spirit. Easter is about an empty tomb. But what does that tell us? What does that empty tomb mean for us? Let me suggest this, that it speaks to us of a risen saviour. Easter is about a risen saviour. Because in this moment, I'd love to know the conversation that happened as they're wondering about this. But in this moment, we're surprised and they're shocked. It's like it gets even more surprising. Just look at verse four. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. As they're standing in Jesus' tomb, suddenly this is an angelic visitation as two angels appear and they say these wonderful and they say the famous Easter words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. What happens in a graveyard? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because everybody's dead. Here's a joke you can make about graveyards. If you ever see a graveyard, you can point out to the person next to you how many people are buried in that graveyard. And then you get to say, all of them. Good, good. Why do you look for the living among the dead, said the angels? He's not here. This isn't the place of Jesus' body. He's gone. He's not here. He has risen They say, he has risen. And if those women were good Anglicans, they would have said, he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. I wonder how they responded. Easter is about a risen saviour because the angels remind the women in this moment and it will be a reminder to uh, the disciples as well. Look at this from verse six and seven. The angels say this. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. And as I consider what Easter is about, let's just focus on one word there. If we can just have that slide up again, Malcolm. The key word in this slide is must. Look, the Son of Man, verse seven, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, must be crucified, and on the third day, must be raised again. And this is a reminder to us that for Jesus' saving mission to be fulfilled, He had to be raised to life. You see, often, and rightly so, we focus on Jesus' death because it's at the cross that we are made right with God. All we've ever done, our sin, it cuts us off from God. But on the cross, the righteous one took took on himself our unrighteousness. The sinless person died in the place of the sinful so that we can be reconciled to God. And yet that counts for nothing unless he defeats death and is raised to life. And that's why the angels say that he must, just as he promised, he must be handed over, he must be crucified, and he must come back to life. And maybe you've never considered Christianity in this way before. But let me encourage you to think about this. If the resurrection really happened, then it's all true. If the resurrection is real, then Jesus isn't just some figment of our imagination. He's not just an imaginary friend for the people who need it most. Instead, he's the Lord of the whole universe and he demands a response from your life. And what the resurrection does is proves the events 
of the cross. It proves that the ground of our faith is these real events that you can investigate and you can consider even on a course like Alpha. Because it was there on, the, on, the, on that Easter Sunday as Jesus rose again that his mission to save us was completed. It was fulfilled because not only have we won our forgiveness on Good Friday, but we've won a victory over death on Easter Sunday. Do you know the uh, Stevie Wonder song, Sign, Seal, Delivered? You know that great one? Sign, Seal, Delivered. Great, next time you're at a wedding, which is the only time I ever seem to hear that song, think to yourself, this song's about Easter. Because this is what the Easter Sunday moment is like. It's this moment where Jesus' saving work is signed, it's sealed, and it is delivered. That's why we're gonna sing the song just a bit later, then came the morning that sealed the promise. On the moment of goods of uh, Easter Sunday, all God's promises were sealed, they were confirmed. See, Easter is about a risen saviour and it's about an empty tomb. Not that the disciples understood this at first. Just look at verse 11. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And this, to me, has the helpful ring of truth about it. You see, if I was writing this story and I wanted to get across how true this all was, what I would do is probably say that the disciples all immediately bowed down to their feet, they worshipped and immediately understood because they immediately believe. No, actually, they're confused at first. I mean, wouldn't you be? Your friends come back from the event that they've told you they're going to go do and they say, you're not going to believe this, that not only was the stone rolled away, but Jesus wasn't there. What? Just think about how human this moment is. That's nonsense, they would say. And then they'll say, and get this, not only is this body not there, but then two angels show up. And then they're like, you've lost me now. Their words seem like nonsense, and wouldn't they? Because surely an impossible thing has happened unless God has been at work. But look at what Peter does in verse 12. Peter, however, got up. And he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Upon hearing this amazing news that maybe he doesn't understand at first, but upon hearing it, Peter decides to investigate it. He decides to check out the empty tomb. He considers it. He wonders about it. Why? Well, because it's just like receiving a letter in the mail telling you that you've won squillions, inherited squillions of pounds. It's too good not to consider. And we know that Peter really considered this because it says he went away wondering. Again, it's such a human scene. I wonder what the expression on his face was like. Maybe he's been investigating the tomb. He's walked in, he's looked around. Maybe he's walked over to the grave clothes and he's picked them up. And all the while he's wondering, is this, is this really true? Has Jesus really risen? People point out that the, the fact that the grave clothes were there shows you that, because the grave clothes were really, really valuable. So if Jesus' body was stolen, they'd have taken the grave clothes too. That was probably the most valuable bit there. But instead in this moment, he find, he'll have found the grave clothes. And just imagine, he's, maybe he walks back through that garden. It says he wondered about this. Maybe his face, he was just lost in thought and he was thinking about it and he was thinking about it. And now we know that as we read the rest of the New Testament, that actually Peter came to the kind of realisation 
that God wants to give us all tonight. Because Peter wrote this when he was writing to Christians elsewhere. This is the start of his letter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. It's going to come up on the screen. Peter, the one who's investigated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, said this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a worship of God. I worship you, I bless you. Praise be to you, Lord. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Easter is about an empty tomb. That first Easter Sunday, there was an empty tomb. And that empty tomb speaks to us of a risen saviour. And now we can have, we can live with a living hope. We can live with a living hope. Firstly, when Peter writes this, he says that God has given us a new birth. And this new birth has a couple of aspects. The first one is this. God's word, the Bible tells us that we aren't just sick in our sin. We don't just need help. We aren't just corrupted in our sins. We aren't just imprisoned. But all of us, because of what we do, we're described like being those who are dead in our sins. In fact, a picture of all of us, all humanity who's ever lived, actually Jesus in the tomb on Easter Saturday is a bit like all of us spiritually before the Lord. All of us, in what we do, we're dead. And you see, our good works, the things that we might want to do to you know, have a good record, present ourselves well before God, they're just like those spices. All the good deeds we could ever do, they could never, ever revive us. They might cover up the smell for a bit, but they're not gonna be very effective. You see, we too, when it comes to a relationship with God, we too need the spirit and not just the spices, as it were, of our own good deeds. But the resurrection means that we can have a new life that begins now. The promise of God is as we turn to him through faith and say, Lord, I believe it when you say that you're the son of God. I believe you that you're God. And also I believe that you really did rise from the dead. And as we turn to God, that's called faith. As we turn to God in faith, God promises to come and live within us by his Holy Spirit for new life to begin within us. Maybe, maybe you've never thought about that. God is inviting you not just to a religion, not just to following some good deeds. Right, here's a checklist. I'm gonna be a good person in this way. He's inviting you to a new life that he wants to begin in you even tonight. And maybe if you've heard this before, just be reminded that God has a new life that he's already begun in you. God has begun a good work in you and he's gonna see it through to the day of completion. Jesus is Raising to life means you're raising to life here and now in the spirit. But also, Peter talks about, we've got this inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. See, he wondered about what did the resurrection mean? And what has the spirit led him? What he realized, he says, through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we've received an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. What does he mean? Well, again, it's to do with new life. See, God doesn't just promise us new life in the present, although he does. He promises new life with him forever. I had the chance to do a funeral the other day. Occasionally I get to do them as part of my role here. And it's such an honor to be able to take 
that kind of service and stand in that moment and carry it and so on. And let me tell you, there's nothing like being able to say with total confidence because of Jesus, he has got through death and so you can too. Jesus Christ has defeated death because he came back to life and so too can you. And we can have hope for whoever dies that as they trusted in God, God's gonna raise them back to life. You see, Jesus is raising back to life. That's just a picture of what God promises to do for us so that death will not be the final answer, so that death will not reign, but instead God's life will for all who trust in Jesus. And all of this, this new life, this new life in the present and this new life in the future to come, this all rests on the resurrection This is why Peter said, as he investigated, as he considered Easter, what it all meant that Easter Sunday, this is why he says we have a living hope. Because our hope isn't just in a philosophy. It's not in a set of good ideas. It's not in a set of life hacks. It's not in a BuzzFeed quiz. Do these 10 things and you'll have a good life. Our hope is in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who defeated death and is alive and reigns with God now and will do forever. And he secures our hope. All our hope is in him. And he has come back to life and promises us new life now and new life to come. And that is the promise of Easter. Easter isn't about chocolate, although I love chocolate. It's not just about new life in a metaphor with sort of bunnies and lambs. It's not just about a lamb roast with your, with your folks, although that is lovely. And if mum and dad are watching, hi, sorry I couldn't be there, you know. <laughs> Easter isn't about those things. They're just a tiny glimpse of the good news that Jesus is alive. Easter is about an empty tomb. It's about a risen saviour. And it's about our living hope. And I wanna pray And I want to pray that as we come and take communion tonight, that God would be reminding us and we would be reminding ourselves of all that Jesus has done for us. So let's pray together, shall we? Our Lord, what good news it is that you have defeated death. What good news it is. We praise you and we thank you for it. Thank you that our hope rests in you and you are not dead, but you are alive. Lord, we're sorry for where we've sought you out in the wrong things. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Lord, we're sorry for where we've sought out fulfillment and satisfaction and the good life in things that do not bring life. Lord, we turn to you again tonight and we look to you, the living one. And as we take communion together, Lord, tonight and as we worship, help us remember you rightly with sincere hearts, full of joy, at the life you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.